Okay. So, normally, you would get the intro. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Hope you're enjoying, you know, having a great day, night, afternoon, and evening. But for this first official week that this podcast is on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network, I want to do a little something different, you know. Let you show, you know, show some versatility, if you will. Now, it, now this particular... Like, uh, yeah, I, would, I would consider it just like another, a, a little smaller channel with on in the, in this channel, if you will, if it makes any sense. Like, like YouTube, you know, you got, you know, you got the main channel and you got your backups. This is kind of like one of my other things. And I call this the secret files. You'll never know when these episodes are coming. It could just be something random I've been thinking about for the longest time, whether it be professional wrestling whether it be outside of professional wrestling, sports, anything like that. You know, if something really just makes you to the point where I just get supremely mad at it, or I'm just like, this is an interesting topic that I think, you know, I can just sneak right in, then this is what you basically get. So, I know to you, uh, the people of Russell Attic Radio Nation, hi Marley. Oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, I do talk to my dog periodically throughout the show. It's kind of my thing. She just likes to be part of it for some reason. She just needs to be near me when I record and do what she does. So you'll hear her just, you know, we talk to her from time to time, but it works. So this is what we're going to do. My buddy Brian was up my ass on New Year's Day <laughs> asking me, when are you going to do the year end of I said soon. Brian, today is that day. For the rest of you, this is episode six of the Secret Files podcast, I guess, if you will. Again, this is something I just do from time to time. I just normally just like, you know what? I'm doing a Secret Files episode. And like I said, I wanted to do a year-end award show, if you will. I have nine categories here that I'm looking at. And we're going to do six in the first because they're kind of like the smaller ones. Can I help you? You want up? Come on. Good girl. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your obligatory Marley moment of the episode. You good now? Okay. So we're going to have nine categories. We're going to do six in this particular segment of the show. And we're going to do the main three, which is going to be Female Competitor of the Year, Male Competitor of the Year, and the 2019 Young Lions Perspective MVP. And that's how we're going to do it. Just a little something different um, to break up the monotony of just talking about professional wrestling. Now, this is, again, professional wrestling related, but we're doing it in a more of a, uh, you know, a more of a loose style, you know. I got a couple, like, a couple categories, you know, might be interesting to you. And other, there's two in particular that you're pretty much probably going to agree with. And they're separate because it's the facepalm moment of the year and the what the fuck moment of the year. I'm going to start with the facepalm of the year. Have you ever watched like a show, a movie, a game, playing a game, something like that? And there's a moment in particular that you can do nothing else 
but facepalm. In disappointment, in disgust, being upset, what have you. This particular award is a very, very is, I'm, I'm getting rid of the, you know, the negative first. So we have more fun with it. But the facepalm of the year, I'm going to give to WWE creative. And there's a tie, because I'm putting Vince McMahon in there as well. Because without Vince McMahon, WWE Creative is usually a lot better when you take that dumb fuck out of the equation. This was, without a doubt, in 2019, I'm talking about, the worst creative year in WWE's history. The absolute drizzling shits. WWE creative and Vince McMahon literally put together a year where honestly I don't watch Raw anymore because it really just you know drops me drops me a few IQ points insults my intelligence and makes me want to throw things at the wall sure they have good moments in the show and yes I usually look back at it and just like oh thumbs up on that one but Throughout the t- entirety of 2019, you were just given some of the worst moments I may have ever seen as a professional wrestling fan. The absolute worst. How you can tell me you're going to give me, literally, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin for three months straight. On top of that, you're going to give me Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans for three months straight when Lacey Evans wasn't damn near ready to be a part of the main roster. And then we get Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, and y'all already know what happened in Hell in a Cell. I ain't gotta tell you what happened. Your women's division was pretty much non-existent. Tag team wrestling was pretty much a, a legitimate down year. Crown Jewel. You're welcome. Everything about 2019 WWE, about 99.9% of it I could easily forget. Yes, there were some good moments. But goddamn, they had a terrible year. And honestly, 2020, the way it's looking right now and shaping up, might be another down year and we'll see how that goes. But congratulations on order. WWE Creative and Vince McMahon for being the absolute biggest facepalm of the year. Golf claps and such. Golf claps. We're here for that. We then go to the what the fuck moment of the year. I usually say those three words every time I watch WWE wrestling. Main roster, not NXT and other such. Main roster usually makes me say what the fuck. For the simple fact that we could be watching pay-per-views, you could see something during a match or a, a booking decision that you're just like, what the fuck? Case in point, Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton. <laughs> the double count out. What the fuck? So that's a, a solid example there, but that's not the what the fuck moment of the year. Not even, by, not even close. This, this is a literal landslide. 
And when I pretty much told my, asked myself, self, how do you feel about this particular storyline? What the fuck? No. <laughs> if I haven't made it obvious yet, I'm going to be giving the 2019 what the fuck moment of the year to the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Trashley storyline. Let's take it back. Now, disclaimer, this wasn't even Rusev's fault. This shit just literally fell into their laps. And with that, had been given, literally given us the worst moment of last year. On the last show of last year. Fuck! <laughs> this storyline literally happened all because... After signing five-year deals, yes, I know, Marley, it's hilarious. Mike and Maria Canella start this cuck angle, where Maria, who is legitimately pregnant, they ran with the angle. Anyone, and they had Maria basically say, Mike's not the father, and basically turning Mike into an absolute cuck. This was immediately after they signed five-year deals. What the fuck? So pretty much Mike and Maria had been had in their minds, and a lot of other people's minds, and Mike asked for their release. They pretty much put the kibosh on that storyline, which blessed to the wrestling gods for that one. And unfortunately, instead of deading it, they gave it to Rusev and Alana. This literally had not only produced the true what the fuck moment of the year, which was the wedding of Lana and Bobby Trashley, but this single-handedly not only ruined one, or, or should I say derailed not one career, but three. Technically now four, since you added Liv Morgan. This was an absolute, literal, just dumpster fire of a failure. Haven't watched the segment. I've seen pieces of it, but not the entire thing, because I can't just, I... The worst, the, what makes it even worse is that this storyline in 2019 the, this this segment I should say was the last thing people had to see, people got to see on Raw for the decade that's the last image of the decade that's how we close off the 2010s a bullshit storyline leading to a bullshit wedding which led to a bullshit angle for Liv Morgan which led to her turning into a lesbian Like that. Six months away. And we have Liv Morgan as a lesbian. Like why? It's... Uh... 
and hence why this moment, which is the wedding, is the what the fuck moment of the year. Now that we got all the bullshit out the way, now we can talk about the positive stuff. Again, I will, before we move on, I will say what I said in the first ever episode of this podcast. If any of this disturbs you, offends you, makes you feel some type of way to the point where you're just like, I'm not, I'm not listening to this guy anymore. Leave. We hold no punches here. We keep it straight. Yes, some of the stuff I do say will piss off a lot of people. Some of the stuff I do, I keep it straight. I don't, you know, there's, you can't, in, in this, what we, in what we do, Ricky told me one thing, and this mantra is the probably the dopest thing I have heard. Keep wrestling real. Keep wrestling real. And that's what I intend to do. Not only just as a as a, the Young Lions perspective in 2020, but with the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. I really botched that one. My bad, Ricky. I got this one just looking at me. It's my dog's fault. But yeah, we hold no punches here. It's unapologetic for a reason. Cool with that. We shall continue. Now we get to, now we get into the fun shit, and now we get into like the fun stuff. And I'm gonna start off with feud of the year for 2019. Now I'm, I'm sure all of y'all have your favorite feud, Cole Gargano. Probably the only one really cool one I can think of right now is that because I'm just thinking about that two out of three falls from Toronto. Oh my god! But something like that. You can, I could go with the Pete Dunn, Killian Dane, uh, Damian Priest triumvirate feud. That was a dope feud. It had a little bit of intertwined John right there. I loved it. Absolute fantastic, and we got good matches from Dunn and Dunn and Dane, Priest and Dunn, and Priest and Dane. Good shit wonderful but I'm going to take it a little bit outside of the box I'm going to head over to Japan for this one this particular feud produced one of the not only cringe moments of 2019 but single handedly the the one reason Dave Meltzer didn't rate this match during this feud and I'm talking about Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi as my 2019 feud of the year. The feud started back in March of last year. New Japan Cup. I believe first round, if I'm not mistaken. Kota Ibushi defeated Naito that night. I believe a month later at the Ring of Honor G1 Supercard, the yeah, New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor came together for a show. Good show. Tetsuya Naito lost his IWGP Intercontinental Championship to Ibushi in what was a fucking good-ass match. A really, really good match. 
but what led to this feud being my feud of the year not only was not only was New Japan their New Japan Cup match good but their second match at the Ring of, Ring of Honor New Japan G1 Supercard was better much better and then we got to Dominion which is basically WWE's SummerSlam just a million times better and better sets Okay, now Wrestle Kingdom is usually their their best show of the year. Dominion is a is a dope event though. And Naito and Abushi. Let me see if I have it on here. Now, this particular match made it to number one of my honorable mentions of 2019. If you have not checked that out yet, go over to my uh my page, Young Lions Perspective. I dropped that literally last week. I had my honorable mentions of 2019, and then I had my top 10 matches of 2019. You want to see what I thought about the year that was 2019 in terms of matches? Go check that out over there. Anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. But their third match at Dominion made this definitively my feud of the year. At this point, it got a little hectic. Naito, of course, losing his belt, making it feel some type of way. But these two really went all out in their in their last matchup, and gave me reason to believe that this match was going to happen a fourth time at the G1 Climax. I got it half right. I just wish I got that other half right. That being Naito. But if you've watched the match between Naito and Ibushi, you know exactly what I'm about to go into. If you don't, if you haven't watched Night to Ibushi, one, watch it. It's good for you. Two, when they get on the apron, you'll understand. But I'm going to discuss it anyway, because this was, understandably, like I said, the one thing, the one reason that Meltzer did not rate this match at all. Again, if you've not seen Night to Ibushi and you don't want to hear what I'm about to tell you, just, you know, pause it, you know, gold. A couple minutes later and then go from there if you do if you do or if you've already seen the match you know what I'm about to talk about both men are on the apron pretty much jockeying for position trying to make a, hit a big move on the apron you know DDT something like that no 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 Naito hits Ibushi with a German suplex on the apron now here's the cringe part his pretty much his upper half didn't hit the apron no, about a good 75% of it missed. And he went crashing down to the outside. Yeah, that happened. That's a thing. You can easily find the matches from Dominion. If you quick Google search. Done. Nailed it. Already done. But, geez, besides the re- besides that, the rest of the match was fucking gold. Dead serious. Besides that one cringe moment, and I can understand why Dave Meltzer didn't rate it. Totally get it. The rest of the match was amazing. A really solid IWGP Intercontinental title match. Very happy about that match. And that, and that 
lead up from the second to the third, I think was really big. That third match pretty much put it over the hump for me. Cole Gargano was a de definitely a good one too. It was a really, it was one of the ones, it was pretty much this one and Naito Nabushi. And either one could have taken it, but I think Naito Nabushi had a little bit more to work with in terms of that. Now, Cole Gargano, don't get me wrong. Unfortunately, came out of a circumstance that none of us could control at that point, but we blame Vince McMahon for it because it's his fault. And Cole Gargano and Cole had to step in. They, had, they produced a really good match. Had a good second match and produced a third. That was bonkers. But I think Naito and Ibushi, in such a range, in such a small range of time, from March to literally June, produced three solid matches and one big payoff match. And that's why Naito versus Ibushi takes my feud of the year trophy. Invisible, but it's there. They've got it in their uh, trophy case. Let's go with breakout star of the year. This one is this was probably one of the ones I enjoyed thinking about the most. You've seen if you watch enough sports, you know what a breakout star is. Someone that comes out of nowhere and just has a fantastic season. You know become a big part of the team's efforts and victories and all that good stuff. Doesn't have to eventually lead to a championship, but knowing that that's the future of pretty much your team, the league, what have you. Kind of the same way in professional wrestling. There's just that one man or woman in particular that just literally comes out of nowhere. And not only has a good couple months has a solid fucking year there are a lot there were a lot of candidates that came in my head breakout star of the year young talent coming up moving up in the world a lot of good talent but for me personally my breakout star of the year is going to Rhea Ripley Now, most of y'all probably would be, I'm just guessing, don't mind me, don't watch NXT UK on a regular basis. I used to, fell off a little bit, kind of mad at myself for that, because I really do, I'm a ride or die for NXT UK. I love what they're doing over there, I like how they're doing it over there, and they produce some really good matches. One of them is actually my freaking match of the year, by the way. Just so you know, giving you incentive to check that out. Rhea Ripley had the kind of year you want from a talent in, the, in literally any promotion. Not only did she do it in one particular promotion, she did it in two. And on top of that, made history in the process by becoming the first ever woman to hold NXT UK and NXT Women's Championships in her career. Only woman that could say that. Now, on, on top of that, she grew as a competitor. 
I had talked on my pod on, on the Young Lions perspective earlier on, I believe either last year or the or 2018, I probably said. I had I had kept my eyes on Rio Ripley. When she went over to NXT UK, I think is where she really made herself a, a household name. Beat Tony Storm in the final to become the inaugural NXT UK Women's Champion. Me personally, I had Tony Storm winning that matchup against Rhea Ripley. And what I saw from Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm was a really good match. A fun match to watch. Their first. I enjoyed it. And Rhea Ripley came out winning the championship. And those two really put on a match that I really did enjoy. Not the greatest match in the world, but you know what? Me personally, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Their second matchup is actually kind of... Their first, I think, personally, was better than their second. It was good, but didn't have that feeling of the first, I think. Probably because it's, you know, the first champion to be crowned, I guess. I don't know. Ever since then, she has grown. This, this, this has been... 2019 was a damn good year for Rhea Ripley. She grew into her character... She got better on the microphone, got better at what she does in the ring. Her gimmick is the mosh pit kid works for her. Absolutely. Once she hit NXT is where she really took it home for me. Step right up the chain of bays there. You're beating everybody, but you haven't beat me, bitch. The gall. The, the audacity. To just walk up to the women's, NXT Women's Champion, get in her face, and say that. Thumbs up from yours truly. I'm telling you right now. Rhea Ripley had the kind of gear that you really want. To succeed from everybody. And my dog is just crying. Because she sees something she wants. However you want to go about it, however you want to think about it, Rhea Ripley pretty much has made herself a household name in 2019, culminating with becoming now NXT Women's Champion and defeating Sheena Baszler. Why not? Damn good year. Deserves a damn, deserves a damn good you know, award. And she that's why she is my breakout star of 2019. See what we got here, where we're at. Did that one. That one. Okay. Two more, and then we'll, you know, get into the good shit. My tag team of the year. Now, before you think, before you say what I think you're gonna say, there were some good tag teams this year all across the board of professional wrestling. There really were. Young Bucks, Lucha Bros, Santana and Ortiz, Girls of Destiny, War Raiders. A lot of good tag teams in 2019.
and they could be all solid choices for Tag Team of the Year. Don't get me wrong. But for my money, personally, the Undisputed Era took the cake from that. I know, ooh, millennial, whatever. Just call it what you want. No one had a year like the Undisputed Era across the board. The Undisputed Prophecy, the championships, all the gold is beautiful. But when I saw a tag team, when I see, and, I, and mind you, I am a big fan of tag team wrestling. The fact that you can get four men to come, or six, maybe eight, if you're doing Fatal Four Ways, to produce the kind of matches that we have seen over the years that have made me just fall in love with tag team wrestling. Two on two, two on two on two, or a Fatal Four Way, whatever you want to do. It's a beautiful thing when you see it. It really is. The Undisputed Era, Joe, words are hard today, I'm sorry. The Undisputed Era, though, were able to do it with any either combination. They've won tag titles in different combinations. I believe Kyle O'Reilly is the only man in NXT history to win the Tag Team Championship three different times with three different partners, and all three members were members of the Undisputed Era. in particular O'Reilly and Fish I have watched these two since the days since they were Red Dragon and this team has grown for me to be a one kick ass team I think 2019 it really came together for them they have been solidified as one of the best stables if not the best stable in all of WWE when they when it comes to that tag team work, they give you everything that you asked for, more, and maybe we'll give you another plate. They're that good, they are exceptional. And I think personally, they didn't you know they've had some really good matchups over the years. And I mean over this year, or should I say last year? It's terrible. But they have had some really good matches. Some really fun matches. Of course, War Games, par for the course. That was the feather in the cap for them. But when you look at the Undisputed Era and how they were able to intertwine tag teams and make it work, no more need to be said. Again, could have, I could have picked the Young Bucks. I could have picked the Lucha Bros. That would, that would, those would have been easy ones. Gorillas of Destiny. Definitely would have you know easily picked them, but I hadn't seen enough of them to make that decision. But I've seen enough of the Undisputed Era to know that yeah they are solidified I think right now is the best tag team in the world and we can have a fun argument with that AEW may have the best tag team division but for my money the best tag team in the world right now is the Undisputed Era again we're gonna have fun with that we can have fun with that that will be a fun debate and to round out this first segment of the 2019, I guess, year-end awards, even though know, we're in 2020, it just sounds weird to say. Eh, whatever. Moment of the year. In 2019, there were some decent moments. There were some fun moments. There were some very awkward moments. 
they were some one of those things you just saw and you were just like I can't believe I'm seeing that moment you know but there's one particular moment for me in 2019 that it supersedes pro wrestling it really does it supersedes everything and this to me was a moment where going back into 2018 a particular moment could have changed the course of, of you know main roster WWE my choice for moment of the year is Roman Reigns returns to the WWE that moment in and of itself was probably one of the best moments of WWE's year like I said WWE had their worst creative year in 2019 that is an argument that cannot be disputed at all but one of the bright moments wasn't even one that creative came up with and that sometimes leads to very solid moments it's a wonderful thing A particular episode on the podcast. I cannot remember which episode, but there's an episode that I have from 2018. Literally the day after Roman Reigns announced he had to step away for a while due to his leukemia returning into his body. I talked about my aunt and how she passed from lung cancer when I was eight years old. I talked about, you know, how every person pretty much almost know somebody that has cancer or at least had cancer or maybe passed away from cancer and in that moment I didn't see Roman I saw Joe and a lot I discussed more of it on the episode if you do want to check that out please do I want y'all to you know listen to the podcast listen to a couple episodes and so you get the feel for what I'm bringing to the table and you know what you know what I'm going to be bringing to the Wrestle Attic Radio Network. But when Roman came back, that was also a moment that could define a year in and of itself, and it did. That's why it's my moment of the year. Now, of course, you know, past Roman four straight WrestleManias that most that honestly feel me didn't deserve. But when you're when you have that kind of moment where you're being literally literally real with the people, saying that your leukemia has come back into your body, and then coming back four months later and letting the world know that the leukemia was in remission. Now the match at WrestleMania was kind of eh. But that, that's nothing that's nothing that's part of this and I digress you can believe you know the rumors that oh he never really had it and he was just using it for a storyline because Vince knew that you know Roman had it before and all that shit and you can take that and shove it right up your ass you don't fake cancer in professional wrestling that's a no no 
it's one thing to pull at the heartstrings of fans. Mark Henry's retirement fake fake out is perfect the way they did it. Pull at the heartstrings of the fan. And in that moment, gave you a sort of like, ah, oh, shit. But literally, and again, literally, shove that up your ass if you think, if you really thought that. But truth be told, that moment. Not what followed that, because that, that build was garbage, but at least in that moment. Not only what were we fans of Roman, we were fans of Joanne a lot. And that is what makes a moment. That is what makes a moment last forever. It may not be moment of the decade. Not even close. But at least for 2019, at least in main roster WWE, they at least had a shining moment. That is my moment of the year, for the year 2019. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be rounding up the first portion of the, I guess, I don't know what to call it, the the first annual year-end awards. I don't know. I'll figure it out in the title. What we're going to do is, though, we're going to take a break. And we are gonna we are going to come back. You can get you a snack, get you a, you know get you a drink, nice cold beverage if you will, nice little brew or something, you know whatever you want, and come back. And then we're gonna talk about the three big awards of 2019, and that is going to be 2019 Female Competitor of the Year, 2019 Male Competitor of the Year, and then the biggest and most important because it's mine. 2019 Young Lions Perspective Most Valuable Player. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alright, and we are back with episode 6 of The Secret Files, our year-end award special. And we've come down to the last three awards of the evening. And we're going to, of course, do a little ladies first action and talk about the 2019 female competitor. There are many talent, female talents out there that had a really, really good year. Of course, you can go off with a few names. Baszler, Blanchard. Name a couple. I'd say Becky had a decent year. Bailey, I think, had a decent year, and I'm being kind of nice about that and a little generous. But I think the heel turn saved it. Sasha Banks returning was nice. Not a full year, though. The NXT Women's Division had a really solid year. Candice LeRae, I thought, had a decent year. Dakota Kai came into her own. In 2019, it was very nice to see. Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, dope-ass heel turn. Of course, Dakota Kai's heel turn was pretty fire. But there's only one woman in particular 
that had a year like no one else. Can I help you, Marley? No. Come on. You're just gonna sit next to me the rest of the show? Is that what you're gonna do? Oh, and there you are. All right. But there was only one woman in particular that had the year that deserves this award. And no, it's not my dog, Marley, because, well, she thinks in her eyes she's the queen of the house. But I'm giving this award to Shayna Baszler. She has had the kind of year where dominance is the only word that needs to be said. A monster title reign. Better than her first. It ended in 416 days. She was champion for literally all year. Went up against Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Io Shirai. Of who's who of the current women's division. And she mowed through them all until she ran into Rhea Ripley and lost the title on December 18th. Now, it's not the, you know, 500, 600-plus day reign of Asuka's NXT Women's Championship, but it is the closest to Asuka we've got. Yes, Marley, I know. Shayna Baszler had the year where it wasn't even worth trying to pick others against her. So much so, to the point where I had a stipulation during the Io Shirai, Shayna Baszler cage match. I proclaimed back in the summer that if Shayna Baszler somehow beat Io Shirai in the cage match, I would then on from then on only pick Shayna Baszler. when it came to her matches for the championship. And thank goodness it ended on December 18th, but she had a wonderful year. The kind of year where we all speculated, we had speculations every single takeover special that came out Shayna Baszler's gonna come up to the main roster Shayna Baszler's moving up and every time they would still have a win and win and win fuck everything else win 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 I was I had wished that Shafir and Duke would they if they, they try to I wish they had actually had her they used them a little bit more during her title reign. You know the one thing I think it would have been dope is if they competed against Sasha Banks and Bailey for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. You know, that would have been dope. I think that I think they would have had a, a decent match and of course hyping up that horsewoman versus horsewoman angle. But of course, the WWE apparently doesn't know what we're talking about. They just do dumb shit. 
But Shayna Baszler, period, is the best lady WWE has to offer right now. Better than Charlotte, better than Sasha. I'm gonna even say she's better than Becky right now. Odds on favor to win the Royal Rumble this year. And that's not a bad way to, you know, go into 2020 when you already capped off a year with one with some of the best some of the best matches I've seen all year. Hands down. Baszler deserves this award. I don't think we'll see a year like that for a long time. When you have a long title reign, that company believes in you as one of their top talents. Not male or female, it doesn't matter. That's all I got to say about that. We then get into male competitor of the year. This one was a little bit more more of a pain in the ass. You have a lot of talent. A lot of talent. Adam Cole Will Ospreay, Tsuchika Okada, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano. Well, unfortunately, Tommaso's out because injury. You have a lot of names you could honestly go with. You really could. You honestly could. Me personally, though, the choice was pretty fucking easy, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. There were a lot of very good choices, but there was only one that deserved to be the male competitor of the year. And I'm going with Adam Cole, baby. The Undisputed Prophecy. Them believing in that angle and bringing it all the way to having all four men in the Undisputed Era holding gold. I'm not mad at what they brought to the table. Hell, I embraced it. It was only a matter of time before Adam Cole was to get his shot at the NXT Championship. I figured... It would probably be after Champa Gargano, in which we would have gotten the cold deal, and then possible, you know, Gargano Champa rematch. If Gargano happened to get past Cole, but Cole got his opportunity. Cole got his opportunity. Won the Fatal Five way to earn a shot. Went into TakeOver New York. Unfortunately, lost. But it was a damn good two out of three falls match. That actually made it to number seven. 
in my top 10 matches of the year. So there's a freebie for you. Adam Gold has had that kind of year. Had the match with Gargano. Went to take over 25 in a pro cold crowd, by the way, who would literally riot if Cole lost that night. And won the title at 25. Retained it in that crazy two out of three falls match in Toronto. And has been running with the gold ever since while on the way fulfilling the undisputed prophecy with all men holding gold. Now, going into this year, he already he got past Balor, which was fantastic. And the way they ended it was great. With Gargano pretty much screwing over Balor, which I'm in love with. Now he's going to be facing, probably more than likely going to be dealing with Champa. Whether it be at Portland or whether it be at Tampa. But everything Cole did within the year of 2019. can't be denied when he spoke you listened when he competed you watched when he won you either got mad or like me you pretty much you know appreciated the art that was at that was Adam Cole he's a five-tool player he showed that And his, his run as NXT champion has been a really damn good one. They, I mean, again, he took an opportunity and ran with it. NXT gave him the opportunity, and now look where he's at now. Now, he's gonna be, it's going to be a long road between now and Portland. And then if he gets past Portland, it's going to be a longer road to, to, between Portland and Tampa. a role that needs to be walked nonetheless. I'm all for it. I mean, I could have picked the Will Ospreay. He had a really good year. Best of the Super Junior Final. Matchup with Takagi. One of the dopest matches I've seen I saw all year. Won the title against Dragon Lee at Dominion. Was one of two junior heavyweights to compete for the first time ever in the G1 Climax and actually had held his own against some of the top heavyweights that New Japan has to offer. I mean, I had that dope match with Takahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. He just, he had a good year as well. I just think, me personally, Adam Cole had the better year. Those were the two in, immediately in my head when I really sat down and thought about it. But Cole, when you look at his year or compared to Osprey's year, yes, accolades, and if you're going off simple accolades alone, Osprey would have been taking the award. Best of Super Junior Final and a, a match of the year candidate, won the title, competed in the G1 Climax. But me, matches with Gargano, Dealing with Champa, having the match with Balor, all the other matches in between, Keith Lee, Dominic Djokovic, dealing with William Regal, 
<laughs> no. I think Cole had the better year. Now I know there's gonna be some Osprey fan out Osprey fan out there that's gonna get mad. And uh, honestly, I embrace the debate. Trust me, it, it was it was a lot closer than I'm sure you'll think with the way I'm talking about it. But I just think me personally, Cole had the better year overall. Again, Osprey had a really great year. I think, though, Adam Cole does get it. You can call it bias if you want to. Whatever. Which leads to the 2019 Young Lions Perspective MVP. The most important award that I've got, which is not anything, it's invisible. Think of some, you know, really cool animal and whatever. Person holding it. I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. But think of an, a really cool award. A cool looking award. But this is the biggest one that I have to offer. Think of an MVP. Any sport you want. Take that player off the team. Is the team as good without the player you took away? If the answer is no, then you probably have a chance of having a possible MVP. When you take a look across the board, think of AJ, think of Okada, Omega, Cody, Chris Jericho, Will Ospreay, Pete Dunne, I did have someone else in that position, but I I had that as a cop-out, and I think that would be very, very disrespectful to put that particular person or persons or people for MVP. That would be disrespectful, even from my standards. But there is there was a person that I did have in mind for that. And it, it was neck and neck throughout my entire day when I was at work. And now even though even though I would have loved to have Chris Jericho as my MVP. I would have loved to have Chris Jericho as my MVP. But just because Adam Cole gets male competitor of the year doesn't mean I will not be giving Will Ospreay the award for 2019 Young Lions Perspective MVP. Because I am. Over Jericho over Cole, Okada, and everyone else. For the reasons I explained earlier. See? Will Ospreay, I think, really, really came into his own in 2019. 
although he was a junior heavyweight, he was able to get one of two spots in the G1 Climax, which is strictly heavyweight. Respectable. In a literal, like, two-month span, the man had a match of the year candidate, won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and competed in the G1 Climax in a span of literally two to three months. That's what MVPs do. They are consistent, ever-changing. You know, Will Ospreay changed up his whole shit when it when came to Takagi. I mean, yeah, you could look at Jericho and think, you know, first AEW World Champion, reinventing himself into, like, this, you know... Y2J pain maker collaboration like Trunks and Goten uh, coming together with the fusion or was it Gohan yeah it was Gohan Trunks and Gohan yeah because then it became yeah anyway DB, DBZ references aside yes Jericho had a fine year leaves WWE joins AEW Defeats Omega, wins the AEW World Title at All Out, defends it against Cody. Good year, great year. Not gonna front. Shoot. And he was a, and he was a top five match of the year candidate. On top of that, but so is Will Ospreay. And MVPs usually have a defining moment. Heisman Trophy winners have usually have that Heisman moment. You're, and then you have, you know, the WrestleMania moment. Will Ospreay's moment was BSOJ. BOSJ, final, against Takagi. If you have not seen that match, if you have not seen that match at all, go watch that. Those, those two literally went to war. To win a trophy and to earn a shot at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Not only did he get that, I think it was literally like seven or eight days later, had a five-star rated match from Dave Meltzer against Dragon Lake for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. That match against Takagi was his MVP moment. Follows that up with a title win, and then follows that up with going to the G1? Because Jericho had good matches. I'm not going to front. Omega. Hangman. Cody. Darby. Yes, he put over the younger talent. What I say his MVP moment was winning the AEW World Championship, more than likely. But if you take his MVP moment, and you take Will Ospreay's MVP moment, and you weigh it up against each other, Will Ospreay takes the cake from me. I was going to be a dickhead and put Undisputed Era in the conversation, but I didn't want to get too greedy for y'all. I just have that feeling. When you see, when I saw that Will Ospreay, when I, when, you know, 
Because it was it was literally between Cole, Osprey, and Jericho. Those three, I think, had the best year in 2019. But I think Will's year is better than Jericho's year. And when you put Cole and Osprey in there, yes, I'll probably get some shit for Cole being male competitor over Osprey. But overall MVP, which is a big deal, the biggest deal, Osprey. I think if you think of it like this, you take away Adam Cole from NXT, you're gonna be good. That's not to say Cole's not bad, but if you take Cole out of the equation in NXT and have him on main roster, NXT would be just fine. NXT would be just fine. I think if you take Will Ospreay out of the junior heavyweight division in, in G1, or I should say in New Japan, that division gets kind of light. Takagi's now a heavyweight. Then you got Lee Takahashi, which isn't bad. Ishimori, Phantasmo, all good. But I think when you have a Osprey in your junior heavyweight division, he sets that bar. Some of the names I just rolled off beforehand, you didn't probably know about. And that's okay. I'm a new, I, I love me some New Japan, and we will learn together as we go. But all congratulations do go to Will Ospreay, my 2019 Young Lions Perspective MVP. And that's going to be it, ladies and gentlemen, for episode six of the Secret Files podcast. I know I'm doing this a little bit late, so by the time you hear this, you're probably watching AEW or NXT. But either way, you'll be able to catch it whenever you feel like, you know, whenever it feels good to you. So, as we always do, we're going to close this episode out in proper YLP fashion and get you prepared for episode 154 of the Young Lions Perspective. We'll be right back. That's going to be it for episode 6 of the Secret Files podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, this is going to be, you know, what I do from time to time. Just, you know, have a random thought. Cheap it off. I need to talk about it. I need to discuss it. Most of the time, this is going to be from the world of professional wrestling. Sometimes it may just be something different. Anyway, whatever I come up with, that's why it is. But I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your evening. Of course, AEW, Dynamite, and NXT are about to go down in just about, uh, as of this recording, 40 minutes away. More than likely, by the time you have heard this, the show's probably over, or you're not really doing anything tonight and you're just checking it out. So, either way, I appreciate every single one of y'all for checking out this episode of the podcast. So, let me finish off in proper YLP fashion. If you guys enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions perspective. Share this episode. Across all your social medias, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Let the people know that now that we are in a part of the war family. And especially since we're going to be kicking off 2020 in proper style. Killing it every single time we get on this platform at the Young Lions Perspective. is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast. And that we are here to... Stay now. If you do not have the anchor app and you still want to listen to this episode of the podcast, 
in any of the other 153 episodes of the Young Lions perspective, the seven episodes of Outside the Ropes podcast, and now six episodes of The Secret Files. You can still find this episode across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, CastBox FM, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms. You should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay updated with everything that's going on with the Young Lions perspective, when I'm doing live tweeting, 60-second videos, the memes, the memes will be spicy in 2020. You can follow me over on my Twitter. I have changed the handle on that to now. Swede, Senator, War. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital A, capital R, representing the Wrestle Addict Radio Familia. I do live tweeting for AEW every, every, every Wednesday night. I always know NXT will be there, and I'll take care of that, and we'll take care of that on Fridays. I also do live tweeting for SmackDown because Raw is absolute garbage, and I don't will not subject, my, subject myself to nonsense that literally just, you know, just dro- makes me drop IQ points. Bees what it bees. But I also do live tweeting for every AEW pay-per-view, every WWE live pay-per-view, and every NXT TakeOver special, as well as the NXT UK TakeOver special that I will be live tweeting on this Saturday. And I cannot wait to be talking about that on a Twitter machine with y'all as we watch it in real time. And if I'm ever up between the hours of 3 and 5 a.m. and I have nothing else better to do with my time because I don't have work that day, I sometimes do live tweet for New Japan for wrestling as well. It's rare, but it's happened. Guarantee it's happened before. I may have been asleep while I'm doing it, but it has happened. All right? If you want to follow me over on Instagram, the mothership of everything that is YLP, follow me over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast. So, we get back into the swing of things. Manana. Oh, we don't stop. This stream does not stop. And it's, and it's, you know, again, this is the first week you and I, you know, we're getting to know each other. But you know what? I want to show you what I'm all about. I want to show you what I can bring to the table. Not just for you, the listener, but for the war family and the people who have been riding for war for some time now. So I kind of just want to show you where I'm at. Show you where my head's at in terms of AEW, WWE, NXT, NXT UK, NGPW, you know the likes and sort. So tomorrow, we'll come right back here. Same bat time, same bat channel. And I'm going to be giving y'all what I call love-hate. I will talk about what I loved about the show. But I also talk about what I hated about the show. The past couple of times I've seen you know, AEW and NXT, I've thoroughly enjoyed most for the most part. So there's no complaining there, but there are some bits and pieces every now and then that kind of really rub me the wrong way. Kind of think a certain booking decision, the way they're booking certain people. And so we get to discuss that for however long I decide to talk about it. But yeah, love, hate, AEW Dynamite will be coming tomorrow evening. And we will get to discuss, I will get to discuss, you know, what I enjoyed about last tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite, what I didn't like, 
and from there we'll go. So, guys, until tomorrow, enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy AEW or NXT, whatever you may be watching, or if you're just going to flip throughout through channels, like it's no tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll see you right back here for episode 154 of the Young Lions Perspective. See ya!